Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. This interview is part of a special collaboration with The Peak Magazine's Next Gen Leader Series. I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to Influence, where I meet movers and shakers in the world of business. This interview today featuring Olivia Suleiman, my guest, her parents own Krishna Genio, the master franchisee of pretzel purveyors Auntie Anne's. She was just 26 when she became CEO back in 2018. She's 29 now, and her business has not been spared the pain of the F&B sector trying to manage COVID restrictions. The circuit breaker forced all of Auntie Anne's then six outlets across the island to close for two months, but that was when she decided it was time to roll out a digitalization map, which she helped carve out. Among its many benefits, immediate profit and loss readings for outlets, a 70% reduction in man hours spent on manual tasks and time shaved off business processes. The firm now takes just four to five hours to process its payroll, down from the previous average of two to three days. Auntie Anne's has grown from its first outlet. Many of you might remember it over at Parkway Parade. That was set up back in 1996. Today, there are eight kiosks island-wide. It's time to meet the second generation CEO of Cresno Genio, the master franchise of Auntie Anne's here in Singapore. Olivia Suleiman, good morning. Morning, Michelle. So I understand that you say you picked up some entrepreneurial skills shadowing your parents in the business. What were some of these skills? Right. So I think, I think I'll think i touch on three of the most uh, important skills that I learned uh, under, under growing under them. And I think the first one is really the importance of understanding each offset of the business to being an effective entrepreneur. So across, you know, operations, marketing, finance, HR, um, you know, you, you go through school and you, you basically major in one thing, but you come out and you still have to learn each of these different departments and divisions uh, to, be, to be an effective entrepreneur and leader. Secondly, is to be grounded in our values. It is very important as a leader to be grounded in our values and carry them throughout everything that we do. Right. And uh, last but not least is commitment to quality. No business can be sustainable without this, regardless if your product is, you know, a food product or service. Or, or even a platform, right? Because quality is prime. So you sound like uh, you enjoy learning. I understand that when you went to University of Maryland, you deliberately chose a non-business major degree. Now you have to tell us why you chose mechanical engineering. Well, I was always science-oriented, science and math-oriented mm. back in the day. And having the opportunity to learn business at home, I decided that I wanted to learn something else. And engineering specifically because of the analytical mindset that it trains you in school. And that was my, my biggest takeaway from college. So you loved engineering. So why did you decide to take over uh, the franchise for Auntie Anne's? Well, as much as I did enjoy engineering, my, my true passion was still entrepreneurship. And I saw my parents doing it as I grew up. And it was also my own dream one day to be an entrepreneur of my own. But taking over the business became like a natural decision after I graduated because I was assisting my mom managing the day-to-day business. And I just saw the great potential that we still had in Singapore that I felt was untapped. And over, you know, one, two years later, I decided I'll be able to make the most impact and create the most value taking over than going elsewhere. How did your parents deal with uh, you wanting to take over the business after studying mechanical engineering all those years? Oh, they were so happy. (laughs) They were happy. They were just so happy that they had someone to take over the, you know, all, all the hard work and effort that they put in the first 20 years of the business. 
Wonderful, because they discovered it back in the 90s, right? Can you give us some insight why they decided this was a good business uh, to bring to Singapore? What did they like about the humble pretzel? Well, for them, it really was love at first taste. Mm. They came to an exhibition in Las Vegas. Auntie Anne's was promoting themselves and they took a bite and, and they just fell in love. Wow. And they, they talked to Ann Baylor, who is Auntie Anne, mm-hmm. for over two years before they convinced her to allow them to take it international. Wow. So Singapore was its first international outpost for Auntie Anne's? Yes. Oh, that's fascinating. All right. So for the listener, Anne Baylor is the Anne who got Auntie Anne started in a Pennsylvania farmer's market, I understand. So really, it was literally your parents enjoying the product themselves. And what about you? Your second generation keeping Auntie Anne's alive here in Singapore. First up, how many pretzels do you eat a year? <laughs> I don't know. I don't count, actually. But a lot, a lot. We, we love them so much on our own that uh, we, we really can't resist them either. <laughs> and I understand you have so many more flavors than what people might, you know, think of hearing of a pretzel. You have seaweed, matcha green, roselle, sour cream, onion, and sesame seed. So, you know, it's sort of reinventing the business, always part of your thinking process. Yes, definitely. I think, you know, competition is really higher year by year. You know, there's very low barriers of entry into FMB and the FMB market in Singapore is, is much more saturated than we were at 25 years ago when my parents started. Right. So staying ahead of the trends and staying relevant to consumers to sustain the business for years to come is, is really what is important now, you know, being a second generation. So when you sit back and think, um, do you think, Olivia, that you actually have the harder tasks than your parents when it comes to building the business here? Yeah, I would say that starting any business is tough and there are some advantages to taking over what is already an operating business. But the part about, you know, keeping it relevant and steering it through the different courses of the years or different obstacles that we face as times change. I think that is definitely more difficult now than before. Yeah, it takes through some of your thinking processes. You know, nowadays people want less sugar or no dairy, for example. What are your thoughts in terms of keeping Auntie Anne's relevant? Yes, so luckily for us, our product is already vegan-friendly on its own. So our pretzel mix and pretzel dough has no egg, no butter in it, no milk. So that gives us a natural advantage and we just have to make slight operational adjustments to ensure that we can cater to this, you know, vegan and vegetarian options so that we can also open up our addressable market. And recently, we also just obtained the halal certification, you know, further opening up our addressable market. Uh, So those, those are things that are important to us. You must one day tell me the secret of baking with no butter because all my things just fall flat with no butter. (laughs) I I honestly don't have that secret, right? It's a a secret recipe that even I don't know. (laughs) Are you serious? Even you don't know what goes into your mix? Oh, that's fascinating. Now tell me a little bit about modernizing the business. You know, I understand you weren't naturally equipped with all the information and you got in touch with SME Digital Hub and they helped you out, sort of got you in touch with a CTO, so to speak. Tell me a little bit about your your modernization journey? So when I took over, everything was very manual, very Excel-based. Even our POS was not cloud-based and accessible. So we had such a very long lag time to even understand what was going on in the day-to-day business. And, and it was like 2018, right? And being like a graduate of this like millennial generation, you're like, what is going on? <laughs> Why are we still using things that were like from the Stone Age, right? Uh, But COVID did present itself as as the best opportunity because coming in in 2018, the first two years, that was just not something I had time for because of everything else that I had to learn. But 
digitalization became so effective and progressive for us. Outside of improving our internal processes, you know, we were also able to launch a Pretzel Heart Rewards program, which is the mm. mobile-based loyalty program. So, and it also enables like website ordering and pickup orders. So it really allows us to connect and, and, and reward our customers better. Yeah. Uh, we also are looking into, you know, more interactive opportunities and more hands-on interactions with our customers. So this year in Q3, we had our first ever pretzel baking workshop mm. and, you know, our tickets sold out in like a day. Oh, wow. Great response. It's a great tribe that you have of people uh, interested in, in the product, clearly. Do you have an app so we can just order through an app? Yeah, so we actually decided not to make it app-based. So it's a URL-based. You just go on to antiensg.com. The website and the loyalty program is all based from the same website. And I can order through that as well? Yeah. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Now, let's turn to getting to know you a little bit better. As I mentioned in the intro, you took over as CEO when you were just 26. What do you think are some of the misconceptions of young entrepreneurs or young CEOs like yourself? Well, I think the most common misconception is that just because we are younger, uh, we are more limited by lack of experience, uh, maybe in a leadership position or compared to older peers who may have like five to 10 years of management experience under their belt. While I don't disagree that experience is valuable and important, I, I really believe that attitude is more important. Mm. Uh, a great aptitude for learning, staying open-minded and being resourceful really empowers us to achieve beyond our experience. So, you know, when we started, you talked about the values and how you think it's important. It's something that your parents uh, shared with you about entrepreneurship. How do some of their values and your values, how, how, how are your values encompassed by the business? I think some of the values that I carry forward to the business that I hold true to myself is this commitment to people. Mm. You know, you, you always want to treat people the way that you want them to treat you. Yep. Uh, so, so even as a business, we try to be as understanding and as personal as, as we can with every single staff that we have. And I think that generates like a very family and a strong camaraderie between everyone. Right. And that just makes us a stronger team. Is this your first job being a CEO or did you work while you were in university? I mean, did you have... Oh, I, I have had a few internships, but this was my first job post-graduation. Great first job, CEO. But, you know, <laughs> I ask because I think it's lovely that you think about setting up a, a culture that people feel valued in, you know, at the workplace. And I was wondering whether that came from your own experiences at workplaces or did it come from sort of looking over your parents' shoulders and seeing how they built a workforce? Yeah, I, I think it was definitely more of seeing, you know, how my parents have done it and also how they have treated us. Our opinions have always been valued no matter what age we were at. And I think that's kind of like the motto that carries forward, right? So it doesn't matter what your background is or what your race or religion is. If you have something to say, you know, we're here to listen. So that's really important to not like dismiss anything that anybody has to say. Fabulous. And have you experienced sort of reverse ageism being a once 26-year-old CEO? And how have you dealt with that? Yeah, I mean, at the start, it was definitely not easy, right? Because you're young and you kind of inherited this and you, you have to kind of earn your stripes through the staff that yeah. have been there when my parents started the business. So mm. some of them have seen me as a 10-year-old kid, right? right? And now they have to look at me as like their boss. And I think that's the part that even I myself struggled through because of how do I earn their respect? How do I get them to trust and follow me? Great points. And so how did you do that? By treating them with respect first? Yeah, definitely. She didn't respect. And I think in the first few years, I really like went down there and spent a lot of time with them in the shop. Mm. So 
I can really understand, you know, what are the struggles that they're facing. And we try not to be a purely number-based business. So we don't just look at the numbers and like tell you like, hey, you're not doing good enough or, or something like that. We try to understand first what's holding you back or like what's the obstacle that we're facing. Is it an operational SOP that we're not most efficient at? Is that, is that the bottleneck? Not always just pointing the finger at someone and say, hey, it's your fault. You're not doing sure. good enough. Yeah. You mentioned what some of the staff, you know, have seen you as a 10-year-old. So I have to ask, how long has some of your longest serving staff been there? We have uh, a few of them, like aunties now, who are there since like 15 years ago. Wow. And then mm-hmm. there was another one, you know, almost 20 years. So, yeah, they, they've seen us from a young age. And we, we did part-time when we were young, you know, ringing the cashier whenever <laughs> we had our school break. <laughs> it all sounds like a great place to work that people want to be part of uh, the growth journey of. Um, taking a step back in terms of your views of the F&B outlook here in Singapore, what do you think the F&B business landscape needs to thrive and what do you hope to see in future? Well, Singapore is a really tough market to navigate, especially for F&B where rental and labour costs are really high. But I think we're going to see a lot more streamlining and innovation to increase efficiency as well as the rise of the omni-channel approach to F&B. You know, we have been a very traditionally brick and mortar type of business and we're going to continue to see growth in like cloud kitchens, digital brands. We're going to see a lot of businesses starting to leverage on like same fixed costs to generate wider addressable markets through like multiple channels online and offline uh, to drive up profitability. And I think that's really exciting because it's shaking up what is a very traditional landscape. Are you interested in the ESG component as well? I asked because I just spoke with Salad Stop and they've come up with their first zero carbon outlet, which is pretty forward looking. Is this an area that you're interested in as well? Well, personally, I am very interested in climate change and doing our part to contribute to a greener world. Uh, At the moment, that's not something that we are focused on, but it is something that I want to do in the next five to ten years. Well, speaking of what you've been able to do, um, have you grown the business from two to eight since 2018? Since 2016, we had, yes, we, we had four and then we went down to two and then we came back up to eight. Fantastic. So what is the recipe to growing a business in pretty tough times? Well, I think it's really knowing when to be patient and when to jump on when great opportunities arise. You know, you you have to know the pace that the company is prepared for growth and push beyond those limits. You can't really go overboard because that has its own risk. And again, back to people, you know, we have to be very people focused, put our own people first and stay committed to their well-being and providing a fulfilling and enjoyable workplace for them because every company is only as strong as its people. Right. Well, speaking of companies, um, Chris Nogenio is the master franchisee of Auntie Anne's. Your parents own Chris Nogenio. Are there any plans to bring any other brands here to Singapore? Well, we're definitely open and we're always looking for new opportunities. Mm-hmm. At the moment, though, Auntie Anne's is still having great, great growth and we still have a significant potential online and offline. And we're really thankful for the support of the Singaporeans this past 25 years. And I'm personally really grateful to be able to continue this legacy to take the business to the next level. And I'm personally very hungry for your sour cream and onion (laughs) pretzel. Olivia, thank you for joining us and sharing more about the business with us. Thank you, Michelle. She's Olivia Suleiman, CEO of Chris Nogenio, the master franchisee of Auntie Anne's in Singapore. This interview is part of a special collaboration with The Peak Magazine's Next Gen Leader Series. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app.
That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.